All right, so today is my turn to preach. Uh, and uh, just now, Kim was asking me, are you nervous? Uh, let me tell you, uh, all pastors are nervous when they stand up here. Okay, so uh, there's no such thing as we are not nervous because we are handling the Word of God. Uh, and this is something which uh, we really want to preach from our hearts. And we want this message to touch your hearts as well. Okay, so we are into four-fifths in our journey in the Gospel of Matthew. So uh, just to recap, so we are into uh, this Matthew series. And uh, just to recap, uh, Matthew is the Gospel to the Jews. Okay, and why is it a Gospel to the Jews? It is to reach out to the Jews and it is to remind us Gentiles of our spiritual Jewish roots. So just to recap, uh, this gospel is specifically written to the Jews to reach out to the Jews and to remind us Gentiles of our spiritual Jewish roots. So like, like I say, we are four-fifths into uh, this study. So uh, if you remember, this uh, gospel is actually a discipleship manual. So there are five discipleship modules, the teaching blocks. So we are now at the fourth teaching block. And today we are still talking about the kingdom community. Okay, so, uh, and the last stretch would be the future of the kingdom. Okay, so let's uh, look at this. So if... Uh, you miss what Pastor Isaac uh, has preached. Okay, go and uh, go to YouTube because he preached a wonderful sermon. And here we are, we come to the fourth block uh, of, on the kingdom community where in chapter 21, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, fulfilling the prophecy by the prophet Zechariah, said, to the daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the crowd welcomed him, shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So what Pastor Isaac shared last week was uh, God's plan versus your plan, God's peace versus your peace, and God's power versus your concept of power. So if you missed that one, uh, please go and listen to YouTube. Okay, then what happened after that? After that, Jesus immediately went into the temple and he was even fiercer than Bruce Lee. He took out a whip, and he chased all the merchants who were selling uh, whatever that they sold in the temple. And he said that my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it into a den of thieves. And thus began the persistent questioning of Jesus' authority by the chief priests and teachers of the law. So Jesus answered the questioning of the chief priests because they questioned his authority. He then went on to tell 
a trilogy of parables which focus on the rebellion and the rejection of the Jewish, Jewish leaders and the nation of Israel of Jesus as their Messiah and their coming King. So, the par so this trilogy, uh, last week, uh, Pastor John Yan uh, spoke about the first uh, parable, the parable of the two sons. It's about a father telling his two sons to work in the vineyard. The first say, I will not, but later he changed his mind and went. The second said, I will go, but did not go. So the basic point here is what we do prove what is in our hearts, not what we say. So it's not about lip service. So the basic point is what we do prove what is in our hearts, not what we say. So we are to be doers of His Word, not just hearers only, thus giving lip service. Again, if you miss uh, this sermon uh, by Pastor John, go to YouTube. So he ended the sermon by saying, if you follow God's way, that is the will of God for you. Okay? Many of us, we always ask this question, what is God's will for me? So God's will for you is, if you follow God's way, that is God's will for you. And the second parable talks about the wicked tenants and it is symbolic of the whole Jerusalem leadership. And the killing of the servants symbolizes the killing of the Old Testament prophets. And after that, the landowner sent his son and they killed him too. So we move on to the last verse of chapter 21. And in verse 45, we read, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Now we come to our topic today where in verse 1 of chapter 22, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, And the dam here implies, once again, Jesus is telling these parables in the presence of the chief priests, in the presence of the Pharisees, and in the presence of the scribe. Okay, let us now read uh, the parable of the Wedding banquet, Matthew 22. Are you ready? Uh, in the balcony and down on the floor. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. 
the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. May God bless the reading of his words. How many of you, you love going for a wedding dinner? I don't see any hands being raised. My goodness, you don't love going for weddings. Okay, all right. Okay. So, immediately after this sermon, I have a wedding to attend at Majestic Hotel. Okay, so I have to rush off afterwards. Okay, so uh, this is my third wedding that I'm attending this month. Okay, so... Uh, so, Pastor Chu loves attending wedding dinners, I think. You don't. <laughs> okay, so what is your response when you receive a wedding invitation? Do you say, ayo, another summons? Uh? <laughs> okay. Uh, there goes another angpao, you know. So, but how about being invited to the marriage of the king's son? Yeah. How about being invited to the marriage of the king's son? So the parable starts off with the kingdom of heaven is like a king. And remember that in our series, we are currently uh, still looking at the kingdom community. So there are two advents or the coming of the Lord. One which the Lord has come already 2,000 years ago and one which any time now, the Lord will come again. So this parable actually bridges the two advents or the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Isaiah 25 verse 6, the prophet describes a marvelous prophecy of all people, Gentiles and Jews together in this messianic feast, celebrating the overthrow of evil and joy of eternity with God. This is what we call, commonly call the marriage supper of the Lamb. So in Isaiah 25 verse 6, it says, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. So, Pastor Isaac, sorry, no vegetables there, okay? <laughs> Pastor Isaac loves vegetables, okay? So, anyway, I think whatever your heart's desire will be there as well, okay? So, uh, so how I look at this parable is, we will look firstly at a broad overview of this parable, where we will see a revelation of who they, 
that is the Pharisees and the scribes, and how we are as well. It is also a revelation of who God is and a revelation of God's reign as king. So you may be asking me, so what if you tell me all this revelation? What is the implication for me? How do I apply it to my life? And the spiritual implications is, we look at God's providence versus our own self-effort, God's way versus our own way, and God's welcome, or do we disqualify ourselves? So let's look at um, this further. So let's look at how the invitees, okay, let's look at how the invitees uh, responded to the wedding banquet. So if you look at your Bibles, okay, so uh, when you come to church, please bring your Bibles. Okay, so how did they respond uh, to, to the invitation of the king? So in Middle Eastern culture, whenever there is going to be a wedding banquet, they will tell those whom they want to invite, uh, please come two weeks later, there will be a wedding banquet. And when the wedding banquet, everything has been cooked, the fattened calf has been slaughtered, then they will send people out again to ask them to come to the wedding banquet. So that is a Middle Eastern culture. So the day came where the king's banquet is ready for the wedding of his son. So he sent out his servants to go and tell them that the banquet is ready. So I used to sing one popular Sunday school song. I don't know whether you all know this song. I cannot come, I cannot come to the banquet. Don't trouble me now. I have married a cow. I have bought me a wife. I have fields and commitment that cost a pretty sum. Pray hold me, excuse, I cannot come. And we sang it purposely. I bought me a wife. I married a cow and I bought me a wife. Yeah, so, so that was our Sunday school days where we purposely sang it wrongly. So I don't know whether you all sang this before. Or, yeah, I think Pastor Chu know this song. Okay, so, so these people, the first batch of people that were invited refused to come. Okay, they say, I cannot come. You know, I bought me... Uh, I, you know, a cow, I've married a wife, that is the Luke's account. So even for me, you know, uh, how many of you can guess when I start paktoying, you know? When I start cutting? Come again. Okay, I started paktoying when I was 13 years old. <laughs> I was from one... And this BBGS girl was only standard five, okay? <laughs> and back in those days, very prim and proper one. Our first date, we took a Sri Jaya bus to Evangel Book Center. Uh, so we went to buy Christian books, you know? And up until today, this standard five BBGS girl is still my good friend. And even my wife knows her. Yeah, so we remain friends. So you talk about puppy love. 
I'm still good friends with her. Okay, so, uh, so let me tell you that BBJS girls are very hard to tackle because they always have very high standards and they always want their husband to be like Pastor Chu. If you are not like Pastor Chu standard, uh, you're out, you know. So what do I do, you know? I settle for a pest. Uh, no, no, not, not P-S-T. P-E-S-S. Pudu English Secondary School. Uh, okay. So I married my wife. She's from P-S-S School. So that's the best thing that happened to me. So she's every woman in the world to me. Okay. All right. So on my wedding day, we wanted her dad to attend a wedding because it is a church wedding. And usually, church weddings, the father will give the bride away. So it was such a heart-wrenching uh, event, although it was a joyful event. But because my wife desired that her dad gave her away, but the dad refused to step into a church. Okay, so similarly for these invitees, they refused to come. But for my father-in-law, praise God, you know, uh, in, in the last few days before he, he was called home, uh, he was actually uh, quite sick because of diabetes. So during those few hours where he woke up and was alert, uh, we were praying that somebody will come uh, who would be able to share the gospel with him. So praise God, God sent a, a lady who can speak in Cantonese and in his dying moments when we asked him, do you want to receive the Lord? He said, yes. And praise God. And we believe that we will see him one day in heaven. Amen. So what is Jesus doing here? You know, when... You know, you, we, we have read those verses. He's giving them and us a picture of who they are. So John 1 verse 11 says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Jesus is once again showing the scribes and the Pharisees for who they really are. They have a religion but they do not have a relationship. They think that by keeping the law and because they are of the seed of Abraham, that they have a right into the kingdom of heaven. And he's showing them, no, you don't. No, you don't. So the king tried a second time. And this time he sent some more servants. So this is... Uh, actually a representation of how our God sent more prophets, John the Baptist, Jesus, the apostles, but yet they paid no attention to this second batch of servants. They made light of the invitation. So what does this tell us of who God is? God is the one who is pursuing them. God is a God of mercy who will continually give His people chance after chance after chance. God is such a good, good God. Giving them opportunity to respond, 
but they still refuse, stating that they need to tend to the field in the evening. You don't tend your field in the evening, you know? And another to his business to make more money. Does this sound familiar to you? Yeah? So why do you think that they paid no attention and Jesus used the description of, of those who responded as one to his field and another to his business? So the excuses given by these invitees is nothing short of pathetic. And these reasons given shows that they do not see God as their provider. And in this case, they do not see the king who is one who is generous, one who will provide for them. Back in those days, all land actually belongs to the king. So when this fellow says he, he needs to go and tend to the field, but actually the land belongs to the king. You know, back in those days, all land belonged to the king. And this is something familiar that we hear again and again, even amongst uh, us here in the church. It sounds so familiar. Don't bother me. Huh? Another prayer meeting. Another prayer altar. Ayo, this Monday is Deepa Valley holiday. La. Why have leaders advanced on a holiday? Sounds familiar, right? So, you know, God can wait. La. Let me build my career, you know. So we tend to push God aside. And time and time again, God is inviting us, come, come and follow my ways. Come, I will provide for you. Everything is done so that you can come. Yeah, so uh, many years ago, when I was still working in the bank, uh, I was doing a project with one property consultant. So he was in his 60s already, so uh, about to retire. So I asked him, uh, you know, I, I call him uncle. Uncle, because at the time I was only 20 plus in, or early 30s. So I, I, I talked to him, uncle, you're going to retire soon. And I was actually trying uh, to preach the gospel to him and he was a Roman Catholic. So I asked him, uncle, you're going to retire soon. So uh, what are you going to do after your retirement? Oh, I would have so much money because I would have so my shares, you know, then my EPF, enough for me. Uh, I will have different girls every night. Then I asked this uncle, aren't you afraid of getting, you know, venereal disease or AIDS? It's okay, die, die, la, you know, but I would have my fun, you know. Then I said, what about God, you know, does God feature in your life? Aren't you afraid whether you're going to heaven or to hell? I have God can wait lah until my last moment when I, you know, know that I'm going to kick the bucket. Don't then only I find God. But sometimes, friend, it may be too late because you do not know when God will call you home. Yeah. So don't be like this property consultant who push God aside, thinking that they can continue to enjoy life and not be bothered about God. Yeah, because one day will come when God may take any one of us home yeah, and our time is up. So my question to you is, would you receive God's providence or do you rely solely on your own effort? 
And in Matthew 6, verse 33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So even amidst your busyness, even amidst building your career, you can still come to God. You can still receive His invitation to come. Yeah, so even for me, I've been a full-time pastor for slightly more than a year now. Yeah, so when I first became a pastor, during the early months, my mother will keep on nagging me. You know, she would keep on nagging me, you know, that, you know, I, I gave up my job, you know, with a high position in the bank, you know, you know, so do I have enough, you know, do I have to cut, you know, then the first thing she'll say, uh, no more holidays for you, but I thank God that in the one year that I have been a pastor, I did not need to stinge, I did not need to do anything, and sometimes when I open my wallet, hey, why still got money, you know, and you do not know where the money come from, and seriously, God is no man's debtor. And last year, I decided maybe we should cut down on our holiday, go to maybe local, a cheaper holiday. But the Lord reprimanded me and said, no, why must you cut down? I will be the one who will provide for you. And last year, I took my whole family to Switzerland for holiday. So there's no need to stinge when you know that God is there for you, yeah? So, uh, thank God until, I mean, I've been one year a pastor, so now my mother don't ask me anymore because she knows the answer already. Okay, so, um, so coming back to our story, so in Psalm 81, the Lord says, but my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts, to follow their own devices. And in Jeremiah 7 verse 13, while you were doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called you, but you did not answer. So what did the king do? What does God do in the face of this act of war by his subjects? You see, when you refuse the king's invitation, it is actually an act of war. Yeah? So, Jesus gives them a prophecy right in the middle of this parable and that the king is enraged and destroyed the murderers and burned their city. So, the year was approximately 29 to 30 AD when Jesus told the parable in AD 70, 40 years later, a Roman general by the name of Titus came to destroy Jerusalem. On the Temple Mount, there will be a second destruction of the second temple and all the stones will come tumbling down and the gold between the stones will be picked out and taken as spoils of war. So what did the king do? Jesus was letting them know that what will become of their religious system that it will all be destroyed. So this happened in AD 70. 
So if you are wondering, isn't God a God of mercy? Isn't God a God of love and abounding in love? Why did he allow the Jews to suffer under the Romans? Well, if you see what the Jews did to the servants of the Old Testament prophets, as well as the prophets in the New Testament, then you will understand why. Isaiah was sawn in two by Manasseh. Jeremiah was martyred by stoning. Ezekiel was martyred in the land of the Chaldeans. Zechariah was killed by Jehoash. John the Baptist was beheaded. The Apostle Peter was crucified upside down. And our Lord Jesus was crucified on the cross for our sins. So these are the first batch of servants and the second batch of servants that the king sent out. And what did the Jewish leaders do to them? They killed them. So we cannot reject God and not pay the consequences because He came and He calls us and He bids us to come. So Israel's rejection of the king's invitation has now become our salvation. So does it mean that God has rejected the nation of Israel? By no means. Romans 11 verse 1a says, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. And in verse 11 it says, again I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. So we have much to thank our brothers, the Jews, for because now salvation has come to the Gentiles. Then Paul talks further in Romans 11 about the natural olive tree, which is Israel, and some of the branches which were broken because of their unbelief. And then there's the wild olive tree, and it has branches that are grafted into the natural olive tree. So that wild olive tree, which speaks of us as the Gentiles, are those people that the king asked the servants to go to the highways and the byways to ask them to come, to bid them to come to the wedding. And they come. So let's reread the portion of Scripture in Matthew 22. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite the banquet, anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. This is truly who God is. He extends an invitation to us again and again. Will you come? And in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. 
Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is the heart of God, that he does not want any one of us to perish, but that everyone come to repentance. So the heart of God for the invited guests is as many as you can find. Yeah? And in the NIV, anyone you find, both bad and the good. So what does the bad and the good mean here? This simply means that by earthly standards, both the moral and the immoral are called, for we are all sinners saved by grace. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it is never about how good we are, but it is always about how good God is. So we can only enter in because of God's grace to each one of us. The church ecclesia is made up of all who are repentant and receive God's invitation to receive Him. So by human logic, we would think that people like Pastor Isaiah, you know, people like Pastor Chu, they would be the first in line to enter heaven. But what does the Bible say? Matthew 21 verse 31b, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Because it is not about who we are or how good we are, and it doesn't really matter who we are. But what really matters is that we receive His invitation and follow His way. So you are invited today. Will you come? Yeah. So let's read the parable again in Matthew 20, 22 verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So before God presents the bride, which is the Ecclesia Church, those who receive the invitation to His Son, the bridegroom, He will inspect each one of us to ensure that we are appropriately dressed. So in God's kingdom community, and His reign as our King, we have to accept His way. And the only way to enter into the wedding banquet. So here is a man without a wedding garment. So you see, it was a custom back in those days where the King will provide a wedding garment for the guests who come to the wedding banquet. So it is a garment usually made of either linen or cotton, okay, so, the, so that the guests are appropriately dressed. So imagine the servants went to the highways and byways, even beggars, even whoever good and bad they invited. So 
they do not have proper clothings. So the king gave them proper clothes. So even in the Garden of Eden, if you remember the story of the fall, when Adam and Eve fell, so Adam was the first fashion designer. What clothes did he make? A clothes made of fig leaves. So uh, he started the fig brand. You know? so, so he was the first uh, fashion designer, but that did not do because without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. So God got to kill an animal and clothe them with the animal skin. And I believe the skin of the animal may be still dripping with blood. And he covered them because without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. So when you come to God, you have to come to God God's way, not your own way. So the appropriate wedding garment is God's robe of righteousness. In Isaiah 61 verse 10, it says that, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in the robe of His righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Revelation 7.13 Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So the Bible says that though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So we cannot come to God unless we take on His righteousness. And in Revelations 19 verse 7 and 8, let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. There is only one way into the kingdom of God, and that way is through the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So what happened to the man without the appropriate garment? In Romans 10 verse 3, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. I don't know whether you've come across people who always have this I'm holier than thou attitude. They always think that they will be the first to enter the kingdom of God. And they always look down at other Christians because they feel that they have a right to God's kingdom, but not you. you know? So these are the people that God is addressing now. So here in, in this uh, story uh, where the man came uh, with his own clothing, so he was thrown out. How many of you, you have attended a wedding dinner and 
there is one guest who dressed up so quachong and so, you know, until she outshines the bride as well, you know, with all the bling bling and with whatever, you know. So, why do you think God requires that each one of the guests have to wear the wedding garment? Because God wants us to have undivided attention to His Son. Because His Son is the bridegroom. So you don't come to the wedding, uh, uh, to a wedding dinner and try to steal the limelight. Okay? The limelight belongs to our Lord Jesus Christ. No one steals His glory. Yeah? So we only can come God's way. I remember when I was uh, Sunday school, uh, back in those days, they called Sunday school leaders Sunday school general. So I was like, what Pastor John Ngan is to the narrow street people. So I was hating about 100 over people and, and our Sunday school was about 400 over people back then. So we have this community outreach in Kampung Pandan. And I remember I entered a home uh, of this uncle, and when I entered the home, I saw on his altar there were so many deities. You know, you have the monkey king. You know, you have all whatever Buddha. You know, but the most shocking thing I saw in the altar is a Superman figurine. <laughs> and I asked the uncle, "Hey, uncle, how come you have a Superman figurine?" And he even put joystick you know, to, to worship this Superman figurine. Then this uncle say, apa, apa pun boleh, you know. So, whatever gods he will sapu, you know, and say anything also can, you know. Uh, whichever way that brings me to God. But that is not God's way. Because there's only one way to God. And that is truth, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, so... In Revelation 3 verse 4, it says, They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and His angels. We have to persevere and live victoriously in His righteousness. God's righteousness is manifested by our obedience to Him. But then you may ask me, Pastor, what if we fail? Israel as a nation failed God again and again. And yet God addressed them as virgin Israel. In Jeremiah 31 verse 4, it says, I will build you up again, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I may present you as a pure virgin to Him. So why did the Apostle uh, Paul wrote like this in 2 Corinthians? Because the Corinthians had come out as a sexually active and perverted culture 
as any in history. But Paul says that his goal was to present them as a chaste virgin unto Christ. So today, even as the worship team uh, takes its position, God is preparing a virgin bride for his son. One that is without spot or blemish. Ephesians 5 verse 24 says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husband in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So even if we fail, in 1 John 1, 1.9 it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So although the above verses talk about the spiritual virgin and not our physical virginity, may I address a very sensitive topic which some of our young adult pastors have been addressing even from this pulpit. We tend to ask ourselves, what is so wrong with going holiday with my fiancé? What is so wrong with sharing a room with my fiancé? What is so wrong with having premarital sex? What is so wrong with sharing a room or, or live in with my partner? Well, friend, if you want to honour God, if you want to give God glory and you want to be obedient to Him, my question to you, would you want to keep yourself pure even for your spouse, your future spouse? Because in Hebrews 13 verse 4 it says, Let marriage be held in honour among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. I have been journeying with some couples and there were some couples even before we started the premarital counselling, they were already staying with one another. But because they wanted to honour God, they decided to stay away from each other until their wedding day. They honoured God, they obeyed God. And truly, I can see so many of them, they have come and shared with me that when they did that, they felt such a liberation. They are liberated from the thing which is holding them back. And friend, today God is wanting to restore you. I'm not here to judge anyone, but God is in the business of restoration. 
So God wants to set you up to win. So even as we recap, let's look at the, let's recap what we have said so far, that even as we have considered this parable, that God has provided everything for us to come. Don't come to God based on our own self-effort. You can only come to God via God's way and not in our own way. And when you do that, you will have God's welcome. And do not disqualify yourself. So in closing, the reason why many are called but few are chosen is because few do what they are called to do. So what does it mean to be the chosen one? It is simply when you are called and you accept God's invitation, then you are the chosen one. You are invited. Will you come today? Let's bow our heads in prayer. With the worship team singing the closing song softly in the background, that truly it is God who is such a good God. And it is the goodness of the King that He has invited us to the wedding banquet of His Son. This is God's invitation to you today. Beloved church, you know Him because He called and invited you. You know Him because He chose you. You know Him because you are going to persevere in the faith and you are going to endure until the end. So for some of us who have yet to receive God's invitation, do you want to be part of the family of God? Do you want to belong to God and enter to His kingdom? If that desire is in your heart, can I invite you with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, if you want to receive God's invitation today, can I humbly request you to raise your right hand high enough for me to see and we will pray for you. Is there anyone here? You want to receive God's invitation. You want to come to this wedding banquet. You want to be part of God's family. Is there anyone here? Just lift up your hand high enough for us to see and we will pray for you. Up in the balcony, is there anyone? Okay, there's one sister there. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. Yeah. And there's one at the back as well. Thank you. Hallelujah. Father God, you see these two hands raised to you, O Lord. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that even as you have given them your invitation to come to the wedding banquet, I thank you, Lord, that they say, yes, Lord, I want to come. I want to be part of your family. 
and I thank you, Lord, that truly, Lord, this has come to you, Lord. They have said, yes, Lord, I want to come. And church, let us pray this prayer together with them. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you send your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. I confess that I am a sinner, that I cannot come to the wedding banquet my way, but I can only come through the only way that is our Lord Jesus Christ. I now open my heart to receive Jesus into my heart to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my bridegroom. Thank you, Lord. I'm now your child. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Amen, hallelujah. Let's give God praise. Even for the rest of us, can we arise even as we sing this song? Just make the place where you're standing as a personal altar to the Lord and continue to live your life as God wants it to be. Hallelujah. You're so good God You're so good You're so good To me God You're so good God You're so